NBI Studios. This is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Rock. Ahoy, friends. Thank you for stopping the dial on Truth and Justice. You are tuned into the Friday follow-up for Season 12, Episode 51, Court of Public Opinion. We've heard what was presented in court against Robert and Christian. This week, we step out of the courtroom, and we heard what was presented in the media as evidence of Robert and Christian's guilt. We have a lot of questions. This week, Bob Janet and I will do our best to get them answered right after this quick break. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that he did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Say goodbye to the dish and hello to Sky Stream, the new way to get Sky over Wi-Fi. So you can get unmissable Sky shows like The Last of Us and Succession, as well as Netflix and Discovery Plus, and loads more, all in one subscription for £26 a month. Oh, and next day delivery with no upfront fee. Sky Stream, TV simplified. Head to sky.com. Requires Sky Stream and broadband minimum speed, 10 megabits per second, 18-month minimum term. Cut-off times apply for next day delivery. Excludes bank holiday, 18-plus terms apply. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. Before we get started, we've got several things that we need to cover. A little bit of housekeeping. I uh, want to just give a shout out. First of all, uh, I just realized that what I thought had been a couple weeks since I'd been to the P.O. Box has actually been a couple months. So uh, Zach wants to thank uh, uh, listener Dan Blank for a Christmas present that I yeah. just got up. Yeah, I, I just got this Christmas present from Mr. Dan Blank, who's an author. Got two new books for my children that were supposed to be stocking stuffers, but because of uh, uh, over here, we got them in March. Uh-huh. But uh, Soccer IQ, written by Dan Blank, and Thigpen McThwackett's Incredible Racket, written by Dan, Mc- Dan Blank. So yeah. I'm excited to give them to the kids for Easter. Easter prizes. They're Easter prizes now. Easter prizes. So so thanks, Dan. And anybody, our, our P.O. Box is on our website if there's anything you want to send. The books us. are signed as well. I'm really, I'm really excited to give them to the Do not send perishable kids. goods or anything with a timestamp that's important to you because Bob will let three months go by. <laughs> Do you know why I, ch- I thought to check it is because a listener said they are – emailed me to tell me they are sending perishable goods. Ah. So I was like, oh, I better check that to make sure yeah. you know, when they're there. Yeah. Uh, but now I have, just so you know, <laughs> I have put an alert on my phone to remind me to go to the post office at least once a week. To Bob, I sent you off. egg salad in December. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. So now we need to transition. But uh, thanks, Dan, for sending that. Sorry it took so long. If you thought Zach was ignoring you, he wasn't. He just didn't have it till today. And so now moving on to more serious things, we just got uh, – in the moment, I, I have to admit, was it seemed like devastating news in our season one case, the Anand Syed case, that Adnan's conviction has been reinstated. Will you, will you please for, – for me, and, and I know there's a lot of listeners, please tell us what this means because I'm still – I read the articles and I still don't fully get it. Yeah, so – uh, I, I I watched Rabia did an Instagram live today on Wednesday at ten o'clock in the morning, 
um, which when we're recording this about a couple of hours ago, and I did some research yesterday and was just kind of following along with what was going on, read the order, and it doesn't sound like this is going to be really much of a big deal at all. So the reason the conviction was reinstated, as you know, the the AG that was uh, that Mosby had kind of came after for um, not disclosing stuff in the case, uh, who then was pushing back against her, and then uh, what was the name again, Janet? Kevin Urich. Uh, no, it wasn't Urich. It was the Attorney General higher up. Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember either. But uh, but anyway, so they were. It, what what seems to me is that he had kind of attached themselves to Hayes' brother, Young Lee, uh, and and kind of filed this right. suit on his behalf for them, that saying that the family wasn't given enough notice about the hearing where Adnan's conviction was overturned. Uh, and so that is the that is the principle. That's why the uh, conviction was reinstated because a judge ruled that they, in fact, did not have enough notice. But it's a weird thing because for anybody who who uh, was following the live tweets or was on our live stream that we were doing during that hearing, Young, while he did not get a chance to be there, well, and, and he did, I think he was notified like on Thursday or Friday the week before and the hearing was on a Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which the judge ruled was not a reasonable enough time for him to get on a plane and go there, which, you know, it may not have been for him. But what the judge did do is pause the hearing, wait until he got off work and let him zoom into the hearing and gave him the opportunity to speak before the decision was made, uh, which they thought would have been would have been good enough. And as it turns out, the judge ruled that it, that was not good enough. So they they essentially, when they say they reinstated his conviction, what they did is they null and voided that hearing. Right, is all is what's ha- is what's happened here uh, because he wasn't allowed to be there. Uh, Brian Frosch, thank you, everybody in the tra- in the chat. Oh, Frosch, yeah. What's interesting about it from what Robbie was saying on her live this morning is that evidently the judge was saying the family has a right to physically be in the room during the hearing. Interestingly, they do not have the right to actually speak while they're there at that level. Like down in the circuit court, they do, but at that level, they don't. Hmm. So, so what's, the whole thing is really it's bullshit, really, because he was actually given the opportunity to speak, and but he wasn't physically in the room. Which you know, how many hearings have been done that way since twenty twenty? Right. Uh, but in, in any and the other thing that bothers me about it is I've read what he said and. Certainly from that did not get the impression that he was overly upset. You know, he he did say that he felt he thought that the DA's office was on his side and he's hurt, but also, you know, he hates the idea that somebody that actually killed his sister could still be out there and free. Uh, and he essentially said that he trusted in what the district attorney, Marilyn Mosby, was was doing. So where that leaves us, Robbie said there, there's a couple of options. One option, and by the way, the 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 decision, the the conviction being overturned was I, I was stayed for I believe sixty days, mm-hmm. uh, which means nothing. It's not like they're not going to put a nod back in prison right now. Yeah. Like he's got sixty days to kind of figure this figure this stuff out. Now they can appeal that decision up to a higher court, which Robbie said you know in a perfect world she would you know that's what they would want to do because they what they don't want is this precedent being set now for other cases to where oh you can overturn a conviction send somebody home for for months. And then be like, oh, just kidding, you got to go back now because a family member wasn't in the courtroom. It sets an ugly precedent. The problem is that appeals process could take years. Right. The other option, 
is to just – if I understood what Robbie was saying, right, and I encourage all of you to go watch her live. I'm sure it's still up on her page. Um, the other option there is for them to just basically accept the what the, what the judge said. So the hearing has to be redone and just go redo the hearing. Right. The, 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 there, there was right. no argument on the facts or the reasoning behind the the conviction being vacated. It was simply because Young didn't have the opportunity to be there in person. So all they have to do is go redo it. Now, Marilyn Mosby is not there anymore. She was she was voted out. Ivan Bates is the new DA. Um, but Robbie has sounds like she has zero. She, she said in her live stream, she's actually personal friends with Ivan Bates. Yeah. Yeah, and Ivan Bates has stated publicly, and I think he was even on he's a documentary. In the documentary. He, yeah. yeah, he's in Amy Berg's documentary. Like he's he's been so vocal about Adnan from before he was elected. Even like I just can't imagine that he's going yeah, and to... he and he said publicly that he would drop the charges. Yes, I believe he did. Um, and so Robbie she Robbie has said that the way she the the way she understands it is. He could just go back and redo and literally just do the it'll be the same judge, everything. Just redo the hearing yeah. with Young there and yeah. then we get the same result. And she said in the in the live stream too, she said, or Bates actually he could just drop the charges and and mm-hmm. not even have to redo the hearing, not even have to jump through that hoop. Right. So that seems like a lot to put Young through too. I mean, not, you know, I mean, I yeah. know this is not ideal for on anyone's side. It feels like the AG's just giving the finger to to everybody because him yeah. not being able to say anything this time and then being there and then having to sit through everything he already heard before that was that's upsetting every time all of that kind of stuff just seems like yeah why are we doing this well and And to be clear it's not that he won't like that he can't have the opportunity to speak it was it was just that he's not like guaranteed the right okay I appreciate that. It just seems like a lot to put the, that family through as well. Yeah. So. And to be fair, we don't know what young like, – like me saying that Brian Frosch has manipulated him and used him as a pawn in this game, that is just my speculation just based on what I'm seeing and what Young has actually said. For all we know, it may be Young as the one – it could be the one who's actually pushing for this. So we don't, maybe he really does want it. I just have a hard time believing that for a lot of the reasons that you just said, Janet, like why would he want to, when you know the result's going to be the same, but the big thing is as, as a lot is, as upsetting as it is that you should know that it really shouldn't result in a non actually going back to prison. Right. Well, Andy and Montana in the chat say that the opinion actually is not just about the, 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 family being present or not that they have issues with the content of the hearing so i have not read the opinion yet so i read through some of it and i read several articles that were written about it and they also if either of you i see andy and uh, montana in the chat have both said something um if you want to i'll come back to it if you want to just kind of bullet point briefly in the youtube chat what the other issues are but for now we'll move on from that and if there's anything else in there but that's i said i read and read articles and then Rabia, who is actually is connected to the is connected to the case. That was how she was explaining things on her her live this morning. Uh, Andy just said that she can't just drop the charges because he would still be. They have convicted. to go through the hearing again to then vacate the sentence to then not drop charges. I guess. Which that made sense. I didn't quite understand what she meant. Maybe I misunderstood her because mm-hmm. she, she just said kind of offhandedly he could just drop the charges. We don't do the hearing. But I don't know how because technically, yeah, he's right. convicted now. So I would think you still have to go through the hearing, but. Hmm. It doesn't sound like there's really any risk at this point of a not actually going back to prison. Well, we'll hope for the best. This has been a real roller coaster ride of a case. So 
never take anything for granted. Yep. Uh, with that, I don't think we have any other um, housekeeping stuff up, so we'll go ahead and get right into the questions. Okay, great. Well, this episode, the Court of Public Opinion, obviously you gave us a little more information about things that we have in many cases already talked about on some level or another that were not presented in court for the case itself, but that have continued to have and hold sway over the court of public opinion, which is, you know, we see the way these things intersect and how they can affect mm-hmm. each other. So you wanted to dispel some of that stuff, um, in particular, this conversation that, you know, Daniela had with law enforcement saying that she knew that there was this altercation that supposedly had right. happened with Robert that wasn't Robert, right? So yeah, lots of questions about that. Um, just to make a general statement about, for example, Crime Watch Daily, um, a couple of different people had questions about this, Jason and Rebecca, wondering if there's any way to make Crime Watch Daily retract what they've done, or is there legal action that you can take when a clear fact is being perpetrated, like just perpetuated out in the media? No, they they probably have some disclaimer or something at the beginning, and this stuff happens all the time. Mm-hmm. I also just realized that I didn't ask either of you two what you guys thought about um, your thoughts on the episode. Uh, there was a lot of things that jumped out to me right away. I know you addressed them in the episode, but I could I I caught them right away before you addressed them. Like the the aspect of Daniela saying that Robert came in with his military friend. I mean, that jumped out to me immediately. And you did address the fact that you're like, well, Christian wasn't in the military at that point. Yeah. But it just, there were so many aspects like that that felt like she was trying to make herself more important to the case or more important in Becky's life. You know, the aspect of her talking about Javier. And she's like, yeah, she had this friend with benefits, Javier. And then from everything we've known, including the officer even says that well, we don't think that they were friends with benefits. We just think that they were best friends. Yeah. And she's like, oh, oh, I don't know. Yeah. For knowing a lot, she knew a little. Yeah. She didn't really know detail. Like it seemed like she didn't know that she was dating Jacob. Right. You know, there, there was mm-hmm. a lot that she didn't seem to know what was going on. So to me, it just felt like Daniela was trying to maybe in her own mind, persuade herself that she was more important in Becky's life than she really was. Well, I, I'll, I'll just say that, you know, familiar relationships vary from family to family. I have a cousin who is like inc- I'm incredibly close to in that he's I feel like he's my brother. Do I talk to him every week? No. But if someone said, are you close with Julian? I would be like, we are deeply close. I would like he's yeah. one of the most important people to me in my life. But that doesn't necessarily mean I know exactly who's he's dating and when, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. um, I don't blame her for feeling close to a family member. Um, it's just hard. And she and I feel like she tried to say, like, yeah, maybe I didn't know there's, you know, I wouldn't necessarily know this, this or this. Um, so I don't want to fault her for saying she's close because I, I don't want to. You know what I mean? Like, that's no. And I don't either. And I, I would think, as you were saying, the examples in my life to where like. There are people that I'm and look, I mean, like Becky took the time to call her on Thursday and they talked for like, like this is not a cousin she's not in contact with. I think I think that that I think that they had a close relationship and I don't think there's any way to, you know, to define what close means. But what but I think to your point, Zach, what what was interesting to me was that she didn't seem to know details of what was happening right then, which is what's important to the investigation. You know, so like they they could have been close and they did talk a lot, but but Becky clearly wasn't talking to her about her boyfriends. And I think did she not even really know Javier's name? 
Yeah, she, I don't think she knew his uh, name. You know, the, maybe but, she did. Yeah. So there's there was yeah there were there was a lot that was not super not super helpful to the case and but then was sort of used. Right, and and there's there's some people in the chat that are like, yeah, but she was she she was lying. I genuinely don't. I I think that some people understand this, and and some people are just refuse to accept that people's memories can be manipulated. And I promise you, they can be. And and that I really think that that there was a conversation. It was years ago, and then more and more information comes in, and and it just like builds this new false memory. I, I I think she genuinely I bet if you I bet if you had hooked her up to a polygraph it would say she was telling I think she believed right. what she was saying is true. I genuinely I believe that. Yes. I agree. Well you can see the way things could have been conflated. I mean you can sort of see the way hearing about the hike and the conversation about maybe going on a hike gets conflated with this other altercation that's happening that is unrelated to that but happens around the same time and you sort of mm-hmm. meld those two memories together. So now they've had an altercation and they decide to go on a hike to talk more about this altercation. Like that's two separate groups of people that have sort of become the same group in her mind. And 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 I, and I totally understand that. Yeah. And we see – I didn't talk about the episode, but we see an evolution of the story even from the interview to the Crime Watch Daily interview. Like the addition of – it was Robert's military friend that he was there. Yeah. In fact, Corinne, uh, thank you for that, because Corinne says in the Crime Watch Daily episode, they stated that Danielle said the friend was a military guy. But I did not hear that in this interview. Did they add that or did she add that later? So that clarification on the two. Yeah. So you heard it in the episode, but where you heard it was in the Crime Watch Daily interview where she said that she was with the military friend. And then the Crime Watch Daily commentator says, and that military friend was Christian Smith, who was there with him that day, which no one's ever alleged Christian was there with them. Right. Uh, you, you know, but but that was like you saw that evolution. It was like as more information came in, she was absorbing that information and kind of adding it to her story because the the Crime Watch Daily was filmed after I believe that update was filmed after the arrest was made. So you know, by that point, she knew it was Robert and Christian who was in the army and everything. So now it becomes oh, it was his his military friend was there. Yeah, you know, she just there's just new information's coming in and it's adding to her story. Yeah. Okay. So Suzanne and Nancy and Megan, you know, this is this is dating back to when we first very first started talking about this this uh, alleged altercation. What we hear Javi say to law enforcement saying that it was Austin. We've never found out who the other person was. We don't think it's Jacob. Obviously, Austin mentions in his interview from many years later that he was there with a buddy. Uh, and then yeah. he happened to see Becky. So we've been trying to piece those puzzle pieces together and what day it was for quite some time. And and I don't feel like we have any more information than we had back then. But but folks are still just, you know, wondering, like, do we know for sure it was Austin and what could they have been fighting about and what day and and all of that. But we kind of know what we know. Right. All we have is Javier saying that he went to pick her up and Austin had been there. And, he, and he's very clear that I played that clip where he's like. No, it was uh, my my cousin's roommate Austin Alba. He was there, and he created a scene. That's all we know. That's all we know about it. Is is strictly what what Javier said, right? And it, this was not used in court. That's you can't no. say that at the beginning of the episode, right? Like, this yeah, is, and that's why it was it was I titled it a court of public opinion because there's people that you know like Crime Watch Daily, and then I've seen tons of people that are like on the internet, you know, that are discussing the case amongst us. Uh, that have cited the well, well, Danielle, you know, Robert did this, and Robert went there and created and did the and and it's it was not used in court because it was provably false. 
Like, like it, 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 like I said, it doesn't take any time at all to see her best friend who picked her up from work that night said that it was, that it was Austin, not Robert. Right. Um, Chris and, and Vicky and Jenny and Lucy, you know, as we talk about these different stories conflating and, and maybe not being sure who's being talked about and Daniela maybe not being sure who's being talked about, they just kind of were thinking about this association with Austin and people mistaking, you know, Tiffany here saying that somebody had a similar job to what Austin had, but that she was thinking of that as a boyfriend of Becky's. So people are still sort of, you know, just wondering, speculating, like, is there more going on with Austin with Becky than we understood? And for me, I just feel like it's more just the conflation of like confusion and ma- bad memory and stuff like that. But what do you think? What do you, what do you guys think? We don't we don't have any proof that something like that happened or any evidence. I it, it, for me, there's kind of if there's smoke, there's fire. And I don't think it's related to the crime, to the murders. But it's it's one of those kind of if there's smoke, there's fire kind of thing where like they're. We've seen a few little things that maybe indicate that maybe Becky had something going on with with Austin, like the thing that you know when Tiffany is talking about that she was dating this guy that did something with home, you know whatever, whatever that sound she kind of described Austin and then Austin and, and and I find it weird like what would Austin go to the restaurant and get into an argument with her about like to me like and I think we talked about before like to have that kind of emotion towards somebody to like go out and be that mad at them there has to be a strong kind of emotion the other way maybe but also if you're a person who is very temperamental and gets angry easily yeah. you know it that maybe nothing to her so for me the answer is i i don't know i i i don't know i i wonder if maybe there had been something at some point going on with austin but i have no evidence to support that yeah I'm with you. I don't think it's something to really speculate on. I think there, if there is something, I don't feel like it's related to the case. Yeah. Kristen says, has anyone spoken to Daniela since this interview to share what Javi said about the argument at Denny's? All we have is that what that's the problem with so many elements of this case is that law enforcement never followed. You've heard LeClaire in that interview. They have that whole hour, you know, two hour long interview with just nothing substantial coming out of it at all and then and then javier says by the way my cousins who was the ex she had just broken up with his roommate the night before and i'm not sure it was but he says it was the night before the murders went to uh, went to denny's and had this huge altercation with him and leclerc's response and i quote is okay i think we're done here and then he's never asked about it again they interview austin they never ask austin about it they never like it's never, ever, ever followed up on. So we don't know. It is disheartening because you think out of everything, even if it is nothing, you would think you would at least ask a follow up question to it. It's yeah. I, I had forgotten that his literal response is, I think we're done here. I had forgotten that that's what he said to the point where I was like, did he not? He, did he not hear that at all? Or is he? Or did he think like, oh, this was he in a space where he was like, this guy probably has something to do with this. And now he's just trying to like deflect even more, having already That's deflected possible. with Robert. Now he's trying to throw some other guy in at the end of the conversation just to like get me to nibble. I don't know. It was just it's such a it's such a cra- like intense like I think we're done here. <laughs> like, whoa, yeah, total dismissal. Yeah. It's, yeah. I and know. I think it could be either either of those two things. I hadn't thought about that because you really like we've discussed before. It seems like LeClaire really thought that that Javier was a good suspect for a long time. Um, so that could have been it. He could have been like, you know, or Javier's the guilty guilty person here, and so I don't care what you're... And then also, if you listen to, like, the full interview but from back when we played the whole interview, 
Um, he is kind of like Leclerc's kind of trying to wrap things up at that point, but he does ask him another question that I don't remember what the question was, but it kind of he's, he's like, "Is there anything else you want to add?" But you can kind of hear Leclerc shuffling. It's almost like he's like shuffling papers around, getting to read. So yeah, I, I wonder if he like just completely is so bad at his job that he wasn't listening when Javier said that. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Bolaños for a second. One of the things that came up for me that I didn't see a question about, and if I missed it, I apologize. But I thought uh, this was the first time that that someone said that Tanya was the impetus for Bolaños being involved, not Ron. Is that the first time we've heard that? It is the first time we've heard it. But I, is it I, accurate? I think it was. I, I, so remember, Tiffany is not Ron's daughter. Right. Uh, there's tumultuous relationship there. And, um, you know, there's the FBI investigation and the allegations of abuse and all that. So Tiffany seems like does not care for Ron. Tanya is Ron's daughter. Uh, and so I think that she was she I, I think that she was, you know, with Ron in that. But but I believe that it was it was Ron that was one that was actually kind of Ron's the one you see in the YouTube videos and all the stuff that Bolaños puts out um, is is with kind of Ron at the forefront. Yeah. OK. Uh, good to know. Fiona says, uh, will there be an episode covering the investigation specifically undertaken by Bolaños? I don't know if I have enough information to do. I mean, I, I don't know anything about the guy. I, I know that he has, that, that he was responsible for putting out videos at one point that made it look like Javier was guilty and then videos that made it look like Robert and Christian are guilty. And then he put this he put together this whole re like Hollywood reenactment. Okay, I'm glad you're telling us more about this because, yeah, like Aileen definitely wanted to know what the sort of propaganda was that was being mentioned. Same with Brooke and Tracy. Like, what's the information that the that law enforcement is saying? Watch out because that could sway the jury and all of that. At one point, they put out a video where Ron, because they found, I don't know if we, I think we talked about it a the, long time the ago. The ring but in the car? Yeah. Yeah. Where Ron found in Becky's car uh, his ex-wife, Javier's mother's ring that was like, had an inscription from from Javier's dad in it. And, and you know, they, they're putting that in the video, like, why is this ring in her car? And it was like, and they, and they say all this stuff, you know, and Javier was driving up there that night and he was doing, all, you know, so that could be the propaganda they were kind of talking about that they didn't, the officers didn't like that. Because I think at the, the point when this interview occurs, that the crime watch daily stuff, I know the crime watch daily stuff hadn't come out yet. So what, so they're trying to build a case against Robert and Christian while Bolaños and Ron are out doing press releases and press conferences and putting videos out, pointing at Javier the whole time. And so my, I think that's why they didn't care much for that. And then there was a shift. I don't know at what point the shift came, became more about Robert and Christian. I think, I think Bolaños had talked to Daniela already by this point, by the time she did the interview. Uh, Chris says, yeah, Chris, I don't, I haven't seen this. I don't know what this is but chris says what's the significance of the video portraying becky taking off her shoes before being attacked that's the dramatic reenactment you were just talking about yeah and i have no idea again it was like a hollywood thing like you know how they'll do like a like america's most something. wanted kind of like inspired by it's to fit what they know but it's she, not because she was found with one shoe on in his reenactment she takes off both shoes well, and then runs outside barefoot thank you aye, aye, aye. for that <laughs> uh, Valeria just is sort of wondering because of the uh, term pro bono being thrown around with Bolaños, like if, you know, there's sort of a, well, maybe there's a reward in it at the end if we actually, you know, if this if the pro bono turns into something else. I mean, I have no idea. That, but, 
okay, well, we covered Brooke and Tracy's question about the investigation and the propaganda. Nick and Rena wanted to know, um, w- would you be interested in trying to interview Bolaños? Is that something you've thought about or reached out about? I have. I thought about it. And I, may, I may have even ha- reached out to him at the very beginning because someone gave me his contact. I'm trying to remember if I if I had reached out or was planning, but I don't I don't see any value in it. But based on what I've seen from what from what he's he's put out, it it seems like he gathered he'd gather some information and then speculate on what happened and then put out to the public that it did happen. And then, oops, that's wrong. And so he gathered more information, then put out different stuff to the public saying, well, now this is what happened. I just don't I don't really see much of a value in it. Mm-hmm. Um. And then Reen was also wondering, and maybe we just talked about this and I missed it, but whether by by this interview with law enforcement, had Daniela spoken to Bolaños already or was was he saying it's not you clear. may hear it's... from someone that you shouldn't talk to? It's it's not. I got the. I I came away with it with the impression that she had spoken to him, but I'm not positive about that. Do you remember if she had? Because she did she mention him or did just the uh does the officers mention him? Because we know other people have said like I talked to that guy. Yeah, I feel like just the officers bring it, but I don't I don't remember if she actually. Well, I, th- I think what it was is he mentions Tanya and Bolaños, and she was just like yeah yeah like she had you know like like. She sounded like, yeah, she knew all about that. Okay, so Kristen says, "Do we did we know that Daniela's sister lived at Chuck's house? Was she interviewed? I don't think so, but I think when we heard from Chuck way back, I think he had talked about that one of her cousins had either stayed with him or she stayed there, or that you know that they, they, they all lived in that same area together. So I, I I wasn't surprised to hear that she had lived with her at some point, but I didn't remember from Chuck's interview if he had said that the cousin stayed with him and Becky or if mm. she had left and went and stayed with her for a minute or she wanted her to or something like that. Yeah, I don't remember either. We've talked about this a little bit already, but, you know, Christy and Lucy, I just want to acknowledge these folks for for pointing it out as well. Christy and Lucy and Angela and Courtney and and Sarah. Um, we've talked about this, but I'm just want to Christy says, I, you know, I do question how close Becky and Danielle actually were. Uh, didn't know Robert's last name. Didn't know about about Javi. Doesn't know the friend circle outside of Claire. Uh, or that she was dating Jacob, asked about the pregnancy, said Becky would never tell her something like that. Um, But I kept this in here because I also wanted to just quickly say, you know, I agree that when Christy says, I also feel like Robert not going to a vigil or a celebration of life or or something like that that was over four hours away says anything about guilt, um, that it shouldn't have spoken volumes about Robert, which is what the law enforcement agent responds with, like, oh, that speaks volumes about him. Um, or yeah. anyone else for that matter. So we haven't really well, talked about that yet, and I just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, and it's also, you. I'm sure most of you picked up on this. It's very clear at this point that what Bodmer is trying to do, and you're going to hear more of that coming this week, uh, this weekend, he's just trying to find out to somehow build a case against Robert. Like, there's no objectivity at all in him right. at this but point. But he's not like, the one it, conducting it, this interview. Uh, is he? Didn't is sound he like not? his voice to me. I've listened to so many interviews this week. I don't week. think it was him. Uh, I think he was at least there. Yeah, I'm sure. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm- um, but the, I should say the cold case unit, like that, like they were, they were trying to, to get Robert and Christian convicted at this point, and that was like, like that, like, oh, he didn't go to, he didn't travel four hours to go to a vigil with a bunch of people he doesn't know. 
well, that speaks volumes. No, it doesn't. It doesn't speak any volumes. Are there more questions about, you mentioned the pregnancy talk. Are there more questions about that? Mm, no, just that, that that was something that Daniela said I wouldn't, I wouldn't even necessarily know about. But obviously that was at that time very important to the cold case uh, investigator. Yeah. So let's talk more about that. Well, again, listen to the evolution there. He asked her very directly, did you ever hear anything about Becky being pregnant or saying she had a pregnancy scare or anything like that? Nope. Nope. She would say she would tell me if she did. And then he keeps pushing and keeps pushing. And it's like, oh, well, it seems like maybe there was a time when it's like she had already answered it. And that, and that's kind of like she seems very impressionable because he asks a direct question. She gives a direct answer. He asks it again. Same direct answer. Continues to ask and push it and ask in different ways until all of a sudden now she's telling a story about how maybe at some time that she had maybe thought she was or something. I think that's very normal for anyone talking to law enforcement. I feel like that's you've yeah. heard that all the way through this season is people feeling like they need to be helpful. And if they're pressed, they feel like they want to give an answer because they want to have more than they have. And it's hard not to be kind of coaxed into being like, well, or like maybe they know something I don't. And this is really important. And I should be remembering something I'm not like. It puts people on the back foot in a, in a weird way, you know, and if he had heard from Brandon, you know, he sort of is pointing at, well, I had this conversation with Brandon that made it seem like maybe this was a thing. So are you sure you don't know anything about it? You know. Right. And people and Zach was just he wrote down and was asking me a minute ago who Brandon was. Brandon was Brandon Kugler Harrison. We heard that interview as a bonus months ago. He was the friend. He lived uh, over where Chuck lived. And he met Becky there, and they became they became friends. Um, and and I need to go back, and maybe someone from the chat can answer answer this because he says in the interview that, well, from Brandon, it sounds like there was a miscarriage. But I, I'm trying to remember: did Brandon actually tell him that in that interview? I don't remember. Or is or is he kind of twisting that? I don't know because I must have missed it because I didn't know who Brandon was in the slightest bit. Yeah. Well, it was a long time ago when we heard. He was one. Yeah. He was one interview inside an episode with a couple of interviews, I think, if memory serves. No, I think I posted his as a bonus. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. It was a a bonus interview. Uh, But if anybody in the chat recalls if Brandon actually in the transcripts probably up on the website, because I don't remember Brandon specifically saying that it was. It seemed like if anything, it seemed like if anything, it was. Similar to what you get, he got out of Daniela, which is kind of pushed and as I could have been, and maybe it seems like me. That's the way I remember it, but I'll have to go back and we can talk about next week's follow up if nobody remembers when I have a chance to go back through the through the transcript. But yeah, I'm wondering if Brandon actually told him that, or if he was just saying Brandon told him that to pull it out of Daniela. Yeah, I can't remember, and I, I'm sure we talked about it. If, if it was in there, I'm yeah. sure we talked about it. But well, and Tracy just said in the chat she doesn't. She also doesn't recall Brandon saying anything about a pregnancy, and so did Amy. Just yeah, that may be something will come up that's definitive. Um, but thanks, chat, for for trying to help us remember the guest book from the service. Rachel just pointed out like that she said that it would be good to collect that guest book from the service to possibly find more people to interview. But that was so late in the game. I'm guessing they didn't. Try to hunt that down. I don't think so, and, and I don't. I do want to point out, like, from the consensus of the chat, from everybody is saying that it doesn't sound like Brandon actually said anything about a miscarriage in the interview. So people are asking, was there another interview? I haven't seen another interview. I think that was the only time they interviewed him, uh, as far as I know. Hmm. Uh, wait, now Teresa, there was a second Brandon interview. 
So we'll wait to see what, because I know Teresa knows those, knows the case pretty well. So we'll see what she says. Okay. Caroline says, did the investigators interview Daniela's mom prior to this interview? And if so, did she mention anything about this phone call between Daniela and Becky since Daniela states she tells her mom right away after the murders? In, in, in the case file that, I, that I've seen zero evidence that they that they ever spoke to her mom, either at this point or back at the beginning uh, when, you know, Daniela says, oh, I told my mom right away and she told the police. I don't see anything documented about that. OK, uh, Sarah says. When did the investigators realize that it wasn't Robert and Christian who were at Denny's? Is there any documentation of this? Um, Also had that question about whether Daniela was ever told that it was definitely not those guys um, or that it was left to she was just left to believe that it was right. And just wanted to verify, like, the because this is provably false, the only way this information was even out there was through the press and the media. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was all through the the kind of campaign that. Bolaños was putting on. So is there any place that we see that the that law enforcement in their investigation is sort of like filing away like we know that this was, you know, this was not these guys so we can move on? Like, is there sort of a reference to that that's actually physical? No, they they talk to her. They make her seem like that seems reasonable and they believe it. And then they obviously go no further with it. It's again, it seems like they're not looking for bad evidence. Like she's telling them this story. It sounds good. But I think they knew. That it wasn't accurate. And so they just moved on instead of like following up and figuring out what actually happened. Cause, cause this is what is, is infuriating about it is they make very clear that they think this altercation at Denny's is very important if it's Robert and Christian. If it's someone else, then it's not important at all. And I think once they, they knew that it wasn't Robert and Robert and or Christian. And so they just stopped looking into it. But if it's them, then it's important. Okay. Teresa has a great question about law enforcement requests for voicemails stretching beyond Becky's voicemails. Um, Like, do they know that they made requests for Becky, Robert, Javi and Jacob? Um, And we know that the voicemails were unrecoverable because her her service was canceled. But um, doesn't it seem unusual that T-Mobile, Sprint and Verizon would all ignore the requests and there wouldn't be any documentation about why those voicemails were unavailable? I, well, no, I have not seen any documentation that the voicemails were unavailable. And it was uh, – was that Teresa? Because she, mm-hmm. had, she had messaged me and pointed that yeah. out as, as well, that you know those requests are in there for all those voicemails. And, we, and there are no voicemails in the file. So I agree with you. It seems very odd that they requested all these voicemails and we have none of them in the case files. And those voicemails could paint a really clear you – know, forget about anything between Robert and Becky. Like if Becky left a voicemail for Javier, that could be very telling, mm-hmm. you know, Matt. And I don't remember if there was a call right then, but there's all these different calls that she was making. Mm-hmm. And like, what if there was a voicemail to Javier where he said like, you know, never mind if you want to come back, he didn't, you know, or, or right. whatever, you know, something like that. Um, not to say that that's what, that that's what actually occurred, but it it, it is very strange and frustrating that uh, they've requested all these voicemails and the case file is absent of voicemails. Yeah. Okay. Great. Great call, Teresa. Folks are wondering, because you had said last week, you know, we're getting close or closer to closing out this season. I think that sparked a lot of people's interest and or confusion um, just for more information on that. I know that you weren't super clear about what that meant, whether it meant in a week or in six weeks, you know, how many episodes were left. 
and probably because you don't actually know. But Adina and Autumn and Jeremy were wondering, I'm going to read Adina's comment. Uh, I had previously understood that once we investigate the investigation, we'll start our own. Last week, you mentioned we'll close out the season. Is this because of what's going on in real time with the case? Or is it because uh, we've identified those avenues, but there's only so much we can do? Like, where where are you thinking about that? Could you clarify more about what you said last week about getting closer? Yeah, I mean, we've got a little time left. I'm just letting you know that we're a- approaching the end because somebody too had said, I thought we were going to cover the trial. And the, like that, that's what we're doing now. That's what we're, we're wrapping now is we, we've started hitting. We did, you know, we investigated the in- investigation and now we're going through the trial, the case against Robert and Christian that was used at trial point by point by point. And, uh, and, and so this, this week will actually be Sunday will be the, the last episode of the, uh, the, the elements of the case against them. Then I want to go through kind of closing arguments that were used. Um, so we're going to cover those still. And then I want to go through, you know, the new investigation. The The issue we have is we've identified several paths for uh, the, the current attorneys to work with through habeas and working with the DA um, to try to find out, you know, namely as far as, you know, next step would be DNA testing. Um, yeah, so hopefully that's going to be happening happening soon. So that path is there. We don't have a lot of other paths because investigators didn't look a lot of other directions. There are a couple things that I want to that we're going to cover as far as new investigation, new suspects. Um, there's some there. There's at least two I can think of off the top of my head that um, that I want to cover and see where that goes. Uh, and then in this far, and then I still want to. Um, Try now that we've kind of got a full picture. I want to try to reach out to some of the people um, that we haven't heard from. Uh, particularly, I would, I would, I would really love to be able to speak with Tiffany, especially now that I have a lot more information. So I'm, I'm going to make attempts at Tiffany, attempts at Javier, and 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 see if we can g- get any of those final interviews. Uh, I want to just be able to hear from. Uh, any, anyone in the convicted families that want to, you know, share their feelings on where we've gone so far. Uh, I haven't asked yet, but possibly maybe one or one or both of the attorneys for the convicted to come on and uh, if they're willing to, and I don't know if they will be because again, they're right, right. They're writing the habeas right now. If they want to come in and talk about where things are going to go from here. And then I still want to do the, um, as we do every season, bring on somebody who believes that Robert and Christian are guilty to have them come on and lay that case out just to kind of balance things out or, you know, we've reached the the end. This is the conclusion that I've come to. And here's someone who has, a, it came to a very different conclusion. Let you hear that. And I think that we have somebody uh, lined up to do that. I've been emailing with someone um, getting that stuff arranged. So if you're, if you're following along, you know, that, that's, that, still that's a lot four, of five, six, yeah. you know, episodes that are still to go. So we still have a, a little ways to go. And keep in mind when we do the new investigation, you know, there have been some cases where we start doing that, you know, like like the Melgar case or wherever, where that leads one lead to another to another. And we really and that's what we're always hoping for that that'll get us to where we need to be mm-hmm. um, and, and we can further play that out. Uh, and then other cases, sometimes it's like we have this information. It's all I have. Nobody's talking. And mm-hmm. I'm not a, I'm not a police officer, so I can't get any more. You know, I can't subpoena requests or any or, uh, information. So. We'll see how things go as we as we move on with that. But yeah, I was just letting you know that you know we're. I would say, I would say within two months tops will be done. Possibly less than that. We're getting close to the end, and um, and then we have 
season 13 is is in the works right now and it's going to be interesting something a little different is kind of a an in, in between season and i'm i'm very very excited about doing this it's just to, i'm i'm still not going to let you guys know exactly what we're going to be doing but i will tell you that it is not like other like in between where i just interview people just as kind of space fillers the season 13 our in between season is going to be heavily involving you the listeners engaging in some serious work that we're going to try to do uh, as we search for the next big wrongful conviction case that we're going to be doing. Cool. Sounds good. Well, yeah, I guess in the context of us having spent 13 months talking about this, getting closer yeah. can still mean there are a significant amount of episodes left. So, but it's great to have that clarification. Yep. Um, Zach, did you have anything else to add? Nope. I got my one question answered. Yep. And I saw you were you were scanning through Brandon's... Uh, Yep, nothing in there. Hmm. Yep, uh, and so it's uh, somebody in the chat. I think Teresa in the chat said there was a second interview with Brandon. So we will double check with that, um, and we'll come back next week and and uh, I'll get that up and posted if I can find it as a bonus, and I'll, I'll post the document to see if yeah, because that was and I'm glad I'm not nuts because that's when he when he said to Daniela that oh after talking with Brandon you know that's not the impression we got. All I was thinking is like you're so full of shit because I remember brandon's interview and that didn't that wasn't the case but maybe maybe they pulled him out pulled it out of him in the next one so yeah all that coming up uh this uh weekend on sunday we're going to hear from what will be the last element of the state's case against robert and christian which is um uh they had testified chad birnbaum uh he testified i don't say against but he testified for the prosecution in the in the case against against Robert and Christian, so we're going to cover his testimony and similar set of circumstances. You can watch a nice evolution of how a story goes from mm. the first time they tell it till they get on the stand and how the how things change. All right, and then that'll be and if if you if you've heard all this and you haven't been convinced by the state's evidence that Robert and Christian are guilty, you're not alone because I'm not convinced either. Yeah, not at all. Yeah. All, all right. right. With that being said. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure you tune in on Sunday and uh, next week, and and in the follow up thread next week. On Facebook. don't don't let me forget to follow up on that Brandon Brandon Kugler Harrison second interview. We'll do that. Thanks, Janet. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Chat. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everybody. NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Edited by Kelly Barron's Brink and all music for the show was created by PutThemInASong.com Our follow-up logo was created by me and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, TruthAndJusticePod.com where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Kay Woodyomnick, Ginger Viola, Erica Cantor, Danielle Rohr, Jennifer Ford, Courtney Wimberly, and Melissa Cardenas. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in several ways. 
financially support the show, the best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes bonus video content every week. Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also do us a huge favor by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. For all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found in all forms at Bob Ruff Truth. Janet can be found at Janet Varney. And Zach is at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. As for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Janet Varney. And this has been Truth and Justice. <laughs> nice callback with the wolf callback. All righty. Wait. Till... Oh, okay. Whatever. <laughs> Treat yeah. yourself. Yeah, it's my new uh, way of clapping. All right, Kelly, me and you. Um, yeah, I guess I'll pee. And who the fuck is Why Brandon? Not? I'll treat myself. Not Janet's Brandon. All right, I'm done yelling now. Just leave me alone. They just talked about wolves for 20 minutes because that's what they do. Da, 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 Patreon, Patreon. So you're saying you get a, te- a free Tesla now? Mm-hmm. I will never get over how dorky this version is. We kidnap and ravage and we are clean cut. We always make sure to have four corners of our bed straight. Uh, uh, really, that's great. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Wish y'all. That hadn't <laughs> All right, we stay at the end of our, our record.